Welcome to Say Yes and Become. I'm your host, Leonard Lee, and I want to invite you to get ready to say yes. One of the most exciting and life-shaping words people say today is yes. And when we say yes to God, we become exactly who we were made to be. God is always inviting us to be his friend and to be his partner. It is an invitation to get close to him and then join him in what he wants done. Saying yes to friendship and saying yes to partnership changes everything. We're going to meet people whose yes to God has shaped their very lives and the lives of so many others. We will be encouraged, inspired, and we're going to find new ways to say yes to a friendship and partnership with God. So grab your coffee, get yourself to the gym, get ready for that bike ride, or do whatever you do when you take in a podcast and join us today as we say yes and become. Welcome to Say Yes and Become. I'm your host, Leonard Lee, and I'm excited about uh, my guest today. Uh, my guest today is Patrick Lightfoot, and he is a friend of mine. We met actually taking some classes in uh, in graduate school, earning uh, master's degrees in finger painting and colors. And uh, so we did that, and uh, we just became friends over the years and partners in ministry. And so, Patrick, welcome. Thank you. And Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me, Leonard. I appreciate uh, the opportunity. Uh, one of the classes you forgot was basket weaving. That was the other really difficult course that we took. So just wanted to remind you of that. Yeah, my that. name is Patrick Lightfoot, and uh, I'm uh, glad to be here today. I'm the lead pastor, church planner of Traverse Christian Church in Windsor, Colorado. And uh, I uh, have the honor and privilege to be married to my wife. We will be celebrating 25 years, August 3rd. So that is coming up, a big milestone for us. We have two children. Our son, Nolan, is 18, just graduated. He is working as a bank teller at one of the local banks in our community, and we'll be going to community college next uh, fall. Uh, we're, so we're excited about that for him and these next steps. Our daughter, Libby, uh, turned 16 uh, this year and just got her driver's license. So a uh, lot of prayers for that, if you would. That would be awesome. No, she's doing great driving. Uh, she's a lifeguard for the town of Windsor, loves to swim and play in the pool. And uh, yeah, so we're just enjoying the summer months. And uh, yeah, just thankful for all that we have and all the people we know, man, including you, bro. Oh, man, thank you. And and I will tell you, uh, I know his family. I've met them all. And um, you couldn't give a better, a, a good enough description to to describe how amazing they really are and uh, how fun they are to be around. Um, before we jump into our conversation about saying yes, uh, what's sure. something that you like to do for fun? If you could say, mm -hmm. I, if you found me having fun, this is where you'd probably find me. It uh, depends on the season, actually. Uh, so uh, summertime, we enjoy kayaking, my wife and I. I just actually got back from a four-day trip in Indiana doing some kayak and fishing with a couple of friends. So uh, being on the water is super refreshing. Love that. Uh, in the fall time, I'm an archery hunter. So I'll, you will find me in a deer stand or you actually won't find me in a deer stand. I'm in, in unknown and undisclosed locations, uh, <laughs> archery hunting uh, in the woods. So I love that. Uh, and I just love being with my family, uh, whatever that looks like. We enjoy card games, board games. Um, we have concerts in the park here in our community every Thursday night. So we love live music. We just like being where people are at. And uh, so those are the things that we we enjoy doing. Uh, love all things food. Uh, you and I, I know we share the love for food. And so uh, we're both kind of foodies and we'll text uh, pictures to one another uh, yeah. of what we're either cooking or eating. And uh, so we a lot of our travel plans revolve around uh, that as well. Well, I got to tell you, Nashville is a foodie place. So make your way out here. That's uh, what put it on the map. Wasn't music and it wasn't uh, sports. It was food. That's, what, that's right. And so, um, well, it's great to have you here. And that we always uh, believe this. We believe that uh, all the good things in our life come from the word yes, saying mm -hmm. yes to God, saying yes to the right things. Uh, we can have a lot of bad things in our life by saying yes to them as well. That's right. But, yeah. <laughs> but our, our topic or our podcast is say yes and become because we believe that the goodness of God is expressed in two amazing invitations. First of all, uh, come be my friend, come be close to me, come spend mm -hmm. time with me, say yes to that. And we abide in him. We love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
And the second yes is come and join me in what I want done in this world. Mm-hmm. God is so amazing. Uh, and he's up to so much. And all it takes is to get our yes on the table in order for us to see that. Yes, God, I'll do it. So yes to friendship, yes to partnership. Um, and so with that, let me launch into the first question I like sure. to ask people. And that is, uh, Patrick, can you give us some significant yeses that you that you say to God or you have said to God that it really just changed your life? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a friend of mine, Don Wilson, at a conference years ago, he shared that in the NFL uh, Leonard, there's usually five to seven plays that change the outcome of a game. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, that's the same in life. And uh, I have five to seven of those uh, decisions or plays in my life that were yeses. Uh, the first one is I married my wife, Hannah. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of my relationship with the Lord, the greatest decision I've ever made. So thankful for her. Um, she said the other day, she goes, man, we were such good partners in life. And uh, um and I just really appreciate that about her. The things that I'm, I'm not good at, she's amazing at. Well, she's amazing at all things to begin with, but um, she's just amazing and compliments uh, me well. And so that's a huge blessing uh, for that. Uh, the second big turning point for us or play of our game or the yes that we've said is we worked in the family business. One of the things Hannah said when we first got married, uh, I'm, I'm never going to live in Texas. I'm never going to marry a pastor and I'll never work in the family business. And so we've done all three of those. And so with that, we have, uh, we've learned never say never and never say always, uh, with that, uh, this third one for us, biggest play moment. Yes. Is, uh, we said yes to having children and by God's grace, we were able to have two, uh, children of our own biologically. And, um, after two um, healthy kids, we said, you know, that's enough. We want to be empty nesters at some point. And uh, we're getting close with Nolan 18 and Libby 16. Uh, the fourth big play or big yes for us is uh, we said yes to go into, um, into ministry. Uh, prior to ministry, I was in sales uh, Leonard, for 12 years. I'd, we'd move back to Colorado to be uh, partners in uh, work in the business world with my in-laws. And so for 12 years, commissioned salesman, enjoyed it, uh, worked for a promotional advertising company uh, that they had owned and owned it for 29 years. And after about 24 years, they'd made the decision uh, they were going to try to sell and wanted us to buy it. And we said, yes, we'd love to own the business. And uh, this was one of the scariest yeses. Um, I, I don't have time to share the whole story, but the gist of it is um, on paper, I'm getting ready to look at these options of purchasing my in-laws business. And God has a different plan and was calling us into ministry. And we're sitting, having brunch at my in-laws. And um, I've just been wrestling with God for several months uh, about going into ministry. And I'm getting ready to have the courage to share this story uh, with my in-laws. And so they lay out plan A and plan B over about 30 minutes of just talking through both plans of transitioning the business to Hannah and I to purchase it. And they end with this question, well, what do you think? And I said, well, before I answer that question, I need to share with you what God's doing in our, in our hearts right now. And so I kind of did a back timeline, some real key uh, points in the story shared with them. And my mother-in-law sitting across from us, as is my father-in-law, and she's smiling the entire time. And as I'm telling the story, I'm thinking, why in the world would she be smiling? She should be angry. For the last five years, we have been talking about what this could look like. And now they're sharing the options. And I'm sharing this this timeline with them of, I think God may be calling me into ministry. And so uh, when I got done, I asked the same question, well, what do you think? And my mother-in-law looks at me and she says, Patrick, I just told Randy, who's my father-in-law, said, uh, I just told Randy yesterday, I think Patrick needs to go into ministry. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. So anyway, that that was a huge moment for us, uh, just saying yes uh, and stepping out in faith and courage to, to walk away from uh, our opportunity to, to own a business and a good business at that. So, And then the last one is to plant a church. I never in my wildest dreams thought I would, number one, go to ministry. Number two, uh, be a lead pastor or a church planter was never a dream, a hope of mine. Uh, and so uh, God had different uh, different ideas for us. And so we just said yes, and we're going to keep saying yes. And because of that, we've been directly involved in planting five churches, two in India and three stateside. Um, our church, uh, we have celebrated 66 baptisms, Leonard. Uh, we had two more at camp, 
two weeks ago, and we've got two more on Sunday, which I'm super excited about. Um, and because of saying yes to all these things, I'm I'm now friends with you, Leonard. So anyway, those are the those are a couple of the big football plays in our lives, man. Game changers is what I call these. Oh no, those are so, those are terrific. And I I listening to you, I was just thinking how uh, your mother in law is sitting there smiling and nodding. Yeah. Yes, and sometimes another person's yes is confirmation of mm. the yes that we speak. And that's why it's important to have family and community around you yeah. who can say, yeah, God, that was God's voice speaking to you. Yes, that is what God has in mind for you. Mm-hmm. And she saw things in you probably long before you did. Yeah. Um, and that's just really, really cool to have. Yeah. Uh, and, and Leonard with that too. And I believe in unsolicited affirmations. Mm-hmm. I didn't ask for that. Because if I had asked my mother-in-law, hey, do you think I should think I do okay in ministry? And she's like, yeah, you can try it. If I said, hey, Leonard, uh, hey, I think about going to be a firefighter. I think I'd be a firefighter. I mean, you'd be a great firefighter, you know? Like, And so all these little checkpoints that I shared with them in our story, all of them were unsolicited affirmations, just things that mm-hmm. came our way. And I'm like, okay, God, what are you asking? What are you telling? What are you divinely in your wisdom doing that we don't know yet. So yeah. uh, I, I, I truly believe in those unsolicited affirmations in, in our lives. Oh, that's really good. We're going to talk more about that in a few minutes. Sure. Um, another word you used uh, talking about you and Hannah uh, is just that we're great partners. Um, mm. There is a connection there and saying yes to partnership uh, requires a, two yeses. It requires uh, one from her uh, as well. I, when I do uh, work with couples and, you know, I've done about 15 million hours of preparation with couples. If you came to me and said, we want to get married, I will tell you that we're going to spend eight weeks together, probably two to three hours each time. Mm-hmm. And I won't tell you even if I'm going to marry you until the fourth time we meet, uh, because I don't want to marry anybody who I don't think is going to make it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're like, okay, that's a deal. And I said, but if you make it, I will be committed to you staying married. Yeah. Uh, and so when I'm done with all that, uh, the first thing I tell them is the most important word in marriage is partnership. Yeah. It, it's, it's the two truly becoming one is a, is a deep and amazing supernatural expression of partnership, being mm. partners together. And so when you say that, I actually see that I uh, just haven't spent some time with you and in your place there in uh, Windsor and um, watching the two of you interact. Uh, you don't have to be in the same place to be working on the same thing. Yeah, it's right, just yeah. really cool. So well done. I would Thank say, you. affirm that. And she's, yeah, she's still she's still training me. I'm still uh, learning how to sit and stay. That's still not one of my uh, better commands that she gives me that I'm obedient in. But yeah, she can. <laughs> she's still working. You know, it's amazing. Uh, the, I, I, was, I always thought, you know, we should do like a whole session on just badges our wives earn, like, mm. you know, like Boy Scout get badges, Girl Scout, you know, the, the, I didn't beat them with a pan badge, uh, you know, that get them a, get them a badge uh, for everything. That sounds earn. like a podcast for you and a couple of buddies to get on. And what would be the badges of honor that women could put on their, their, I'm married to. Well, you're coming up on 25 years, and I think that you need to put 25 badges together for Hannah. Here's the 25 badges you've earned Mm. being married to me. Um, I'm going to start making a list. There you go. Does she have to put it on the little khaki vest that the Girl Scouts wear, too? Oh, I think you could do it. I think, you you know, she could... could, go. This is the khaki anniversary, not the... Is it the silver anniversary? Yeah, because gold is... Gold is 50 and then diamond or platinum is another one. So I can't remember all those things. Yeah. Well, I just hope to remember our anniversary on August 3rd. Hopefully I don't forget. So, so should I send you a text? Probably. That would be <laughs> the best. Yeah. If I remember. So, well, I, I love, I love that those are the, the game changing uh, yeses that, that matter. And I love the way you phrase that and put that together. Like there's five or six plays that determine the outcome uh, and, and it sort of means you're not playing from behind, mm. you know, you're playing to win this. And I love that. Um, as you're thinking through the yeses that have changed your life, uh, mm. and you're kind of weighing stuff out. Um, 
when you start thinking about saying yes to God, and this is one of the questions I sent you, I probably won't use them in order. Um, What are the, what's the pushback you get? You know, Mm -hmm. you said you get these five or six yeses that you put together, and I'm sure there's others that are daily. Mm -hmm. What's the pushback you get and where does it come from? Yeah, uh, I think just pushback and saying yes is uh, fear and doubt. Those would be the two that I would gravitate towards. Uh, if you look in scripture, uh, the command that's given more than any others, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. And um, man, we we think about all the what ifs, right? We take these little, yeah. I, th- I call them molehills, and we turn them into Mount Everest in a second. Like, well, yeah. what if this happened? Or what if this? Or what if we said yes to going to ministry? And then uh, we... Um, that was the wrong choice. And I was supposed to buy that business. Right. And now I've lost that chance because it's been sold to someone else. And so I, I think that's always the hesitation with the yes. Um, we, we live in such in, in this flesh and what I call the natural. Uh, we, we have a desire to know that a plus B always equals C. And when we get those lined up, then we're like, okay, now we'll say yes. Yeah. Uh, but with God, that's not how he, he works. And I learned that in that process of saying yes to going into ministry uh, because prior um, to that, I was in a season of prayer just saying, God, I'm a businessman. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm, I'm not a pastor. That's not who I am. At least I thought at the time. And um, I was just praying for like this stone tablet moment. Like I want to Mount Sinai. Lord, you just put everything in my life on a stone written with your finger. Patrick, step one, step two, just lay it out and I'll follow it. I'm in. And for six months, Leonard, I heard crickets. I didn't hear anything. (laughs) And what I learned in that process that the work of the Holy Spirit is is not to uh, give you uh, the the light at the end of the tunnel. He's just going to give that light to the foot at your path is what scripture says. And he just wants us to faithfully and obediently, obediently walk one step at a time. That's yeah. all I can take. I cannot take more than one step at a time. And so for us, it's like, okay, if God, if you're calling us into ministry, we feel this pull, this tug, we've had some of these affirmations unsolicited. What is like the next best wise logical step? Like, okay, let's just think about it, put it on paper. And then that's when we decided, Hey, I, I think I need to go back to school. I need some nuts and bolts. I need to get a mm-hmm. master's degree. I had a undergrad degree in business. And, um, and we thought, well, worst case scenario, what I go to school and I have a master's degree, I definitely would be more, uh, uh, have abilities to gain uh, better employment with a master's degree. If that's the worst case, like I'm really not risking anything. And so anyway, that's how we got on that path. But I think it's just fear and doubt, uh, the fear of, I don't know the outcome. And then there's a doubt of in ourselves, you know, I'm, I'm not smart enough. Uh, I'm not good enough to be a pastor. Um, uh, I'm not athletic enough to be on that team. I'm not right. smart enough to pass the law exam or whatever it could be that, you know, we're all facing in our lives, those challenges. So I would say just that's the, those are the two big things I see in myself, but also in, in people as I pastor is just fear and doubt. Fear and doubt play such a huge role. Um, we take, we tell people constantly that, uh, the first three responses to sin were, uh, were uh, shame, fear, and anger. Mm. And date, doubt has a way of, of fueling all three of those. Mm. Uh, God's not fair. I doubt him. I doubt mm-hmm. myself. I doubt. Right, yeah. And, and uh, living under shame, living under uh, fear, and then letting the anger brew towards God right. or others or <clears throat> ourselves. And um, so what is, what's your pro tip? for silencing the fear and doubt so that you can say, mm-hmm. okay, here's, I'm saying yes, but Lord, I, I got some fear and doubt. What's your pro tip for people? Yeah. Pro tip uh, for me, a uh, couple of things. Number one, just get rid of what I call white noise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to be in my places of peace. Uh, white noise can be social media. It could be uh, people um, in your normal circles of influence, uh, whether it be a home where you, where you work, where you play, home, church, like all those areas, you just gotta gotta get away uh, from that. Uh, I have to allow my my brain and my heart to slow down. I tend to move at the speed of light in all things, and so um, <laughs> he, I think the Lord really wants us to slow down so we can hear Him. Yeah. Uh, I actually, when you asked this question, it made me think of First Kings and uh, Elijah. 
You know, he wasn't in the windstorm. He wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in an earthquake. He, where was he at? He was, he was right there outside the cave. It was just a whisper. Yeah. yeah. It was just a whisper. And so uh, for us to hear God speak, you know, we've got to get rid of this white noise because we're consumed with it. It is every where we go. I mean, you can't go into a store and there's not music playing. Uh, you know, I see my kids and ask them, hey, you guys need to take care of the dishwasher. And the first thing they do is like, well, I need my earbuds because I need music. I'm like, that literally takes 30 seconds to take all the clean uh, dishes and put them away. But yet you have to have music. And so we're just inundated uh, in our culture that we live in with, with white noise. Uh, the second thing for me is just to turn my phone off. Um, it's easy to get, um, it's just so handy. I can check the weather. I can uh, check the score of the, of the game from last night. I can reply to that text message. Oh yeah, someone's calling me now. And so for me, uh, those are two big areas to help with pro tips of hearing God's voice is just getting rid of the white noise and slow my, my cadence down, my pace down. Uh, and then lastly, is just turn that phone off. Cause that thing is just with me all the time. Yeah. You know, I, about, uh, about 10 years ago, maybe a little less, yeah. I, I quit reading off of anything electronic when it came yeah. to scripture. Mm. And, you know, I read, I read my Bible from the time I was little and I'd always mark it up and color it up. And then when I yeah. became a pastor, I quit writing in it because it distracted me mm. uh, when I'm standing up front. And then uh, I went to phone and I'm reading off an iPad or whatever. And now whenever I read my Bible, it's a paper. Uh, yep. And the reason is, is because I do a thousand things on my phone mm -hmm. and one thing with my Bible. Yeah. Hey, do you have an app for your smoker? Do you use your phone when you're cooking to keep temperature and time and all those other things that these smoker guys do? Yeah. I do actually. I have an app. I can I can actually turn it on right now and get the beef jerky that we're going to do later ready. Uh, Ooh, yeah, it's so. like a preheat of the oven. It yeah. is, and I got a. Yeah. It'll tell me temperature, and then uh, I've got probes that'll tell me as well. Uh, but that's on our other podcast. Say yes and eat. Uh, oh, say yes and eat. I like yeah, that one. So yeah. I got a buddy that uh, I mentored and, and discipled, and uh, he's also a professional uh, chef when it comes to barbecue and such. And so we were roasting a pig for uh, uh, in my garage of all places for a banquet that we were doing for a football team. Yeah. And I said, you know, you should do this for a living. You're so good at it. And I said, I think you should start a business and call it Burnt Offering Barbecue. And he said, okay. And so he's got burnt offering barbecue and his theme really? verses instead of where God told Peter to kill and eat. Yeah. Rise, said, kill and eat. Yeah. He said, rise, grill and eat. Mm. Uh, and so it's pretty cool. It's fun to, fun to have him. He's always giving me recipes. He's like my go-to. Yeah. Okay. I got this. How do you do that? And, and yeah. such. So, well, be sure to forward those on to people that you like. Wink, wink. I, I, everyone I like has gotten them. Yeah. Well, all I get is pictures of you eating them. I want the recipe. So that's a good, I feel like you're teasing me. Well, it, it, I'm wetting your appetite. Uh, oh, that's what it is. Um, when you think about you planted a church and I planted a couple churches, man, that's such a huge uh, anxiety button because mm -hmm. literally it all depends on you for the first few years. Uh, if you don't show up, it don't happen. And everybody's looking for you to give them permission for their ideas. A pastor, mm -hmm. I was thinking about, and you're kind of going like, stop asking me permission. Just go do something great. Yeah, yeah. Um, so as you're planning a church, you got all these new people coming in. You've got, you got baptisms coming and, and you see new folks come to church, follow Jesus, get baptized. Um, what are some uh, practical ways in which you are helping other people say yes to God? Mm. Yeah, no, I love that question. And I had to really think on that uh, when you had sent the questions in advance um, is, is helping them, you know, kind of look through that lens. And so, um, I, you know, I think uh, the biggest thing in, in helping them say yes is uh, what do they need to say no to first? I think that's a big thing. We, we live in this, this culture and even in the church, there's just so much to do yeah. that we're, we're duaholics. And a lot of times we're doing things that quite honestly, we, we have no business even doing. And so I just don't understand why we continue to say 
yes to so many things uh, with that and that we, we need to start saying yes to some better things. And so mm-hmm. that's what I encourage people to, to say is to create some margin. So what is it um, that you need to, to say yes to the best thing, even though it's something you've said yes to is a good thing, it's just not the best thing. Uh, I believe as a culture, Leonard, we're over-programmed, we're over-scheduled, uh, and, and I think it's all driven because of this expectation of performance, mm. and we can't say yes to the right things because we feel like if I, if I check another box, that's going to up my um, approval rating, that's going to yeah. up my status, that's going to up my opportunities, and, and really it's not, and I think that's one of the greatest works of Satan is to distract us, even for things that are actually really good. Things yeah. that are not even, they're just immoral. They're not bad. They're not sinful. So here's a, an example for me. Some things I had to take a look, a close look at my life and say, okay, Patrick, what are the things that I need to start saying no to? Because I have a, I can say real easily, man, yes to everything. Cause I have what's called FOMO. I don't know if you're familiar with that condition, the fear of missing out. You have <laughs> yes, that? Yes. yes. I okay. Do. So I, I have FOMO. And so I can say yes to everything uh, just because I just want to be right there where everything's happening, being where the being's at is kind of uh, part of my personality. And so uh, so for me, is uh, like fantasy football, I, I played it for many years and about, I don't know, 12, maybe even 15 years ago, I stopped playing fantasy football. Is fantasy football bad, Leonard? No, it's not. Actually, there's a lot of um, guys and gals that get together, and that's an annual event where they connect in community over a sport they love, over a team they love. And it is great. But for me, I was wasting so much of my time and my energy, my thought watching the Bengals and the Browns play on Monday night when they used to be (laughs) awful. Right. And I'm like, my guy just needs one catch in seven yards, please, Lord. I just if you could do this for me right now, I could rest well. And I was watching games and just like it was just sucking life out of me. And I would just be mad because I watched this four hour game and this guy, you know, on the first play. He pulled his hammy and he was out. And I'm like, you're okay. Just get in there. Ice it, you know? And, and so I think a lot of times just helping people, others uh, to say yes is I think first is what are, what are some things that they need to say no to? Yeah. Yeah. So, so create some margin. Yeah. So that the, the white noise goes down, the sound of God's voice comes in mm-hmm. uh, that there's freedom to say yes to the best things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh and, I, and I've seen you do that. I've seen you turn off your social media, turn off the white noise, carve space for you to get away and pray. Um, uh, I won't be inviting you to my fantasy league this year. Um, but I think for, for you, as you do that, um, is that, does that present any kind of a cost to you? Uh, you know, you talk about FOMO, fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. Have you missed out on anything? Uh, uh- you know, I probably have, but I feel like God has really um, pressed on my heart. What What is it, the things that I do need to say yes to? Mm-hmm. Um, and I have five of them. I actually have them on the mirror in my, um, in my uh, bathroom at home. And it's to love my wife, leave my kids, serve the church, disciple men, and then work with our church planning network nexus. Mm-hmm. And so those are the things that those are all yeses every mm-hmm. time. It's not even before you can. Yep. Yes. Yes, I will go on a date with you, honey. Yes, I will take out the trash for you, honey. The kids are like, dad, uh, my daughter's like, dad, can you go get a pedicure with me? I'm like, yes, I can go get a petty date with you, girl. Yes, I mean, I can always say that. Uh, Serve the church. I believe what we're doing now is a way that you and I can serve the church and those outside of the church. So when you Mm -hmm. asked about this, I didn't hesitate or think about like, yes, I will will be on your podcast. It's an honor to do this. Uh, Disciple men. Uh, I'm discipling two men right now, uh, Jonathan and Dan. And so I will always say yes to that. And then opportunities within our church planning network, uh, I always say yes to those things. So, um, and because of that, I just feel like uh, God has, hasn't taken away FOMO, but I'm like, man, that'd be awesome if I could do that or participate. And I'm like, no, Patrick, there's some things I just need to say no to. I need to say yes to the better things. And uh, just knowing, knowing what he's asked me to do and has called me to do, uh, it just makes it so much easier. And so I I think there is less of that FOMO, even though that's, that's part of me. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I I met with a friend of mine, a pastor, and we went into Nashville and uh, we drove to uh, this restaurant called Milk and Honey and it's terrific place. I drove past five McDonald's on my way there and not once did I stop and think, 
oh man, I'm missing out on that Big Mac. I'm missing out on that because I had already said yes to something I knew was going to be better. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't, it took, it takes away the fear of what if I don't get to eat again? What if I miss that? What, you know, and, and let's be honest, a good hash brown can sit in your gut for a long time, but I don't ever fear missing out because yeah. I've said yes to something better. Uh, and that's what I hear you doing. It's what I see you doing. Um, you mentioned uh, Church Plant Network. Uh, give me give me a, a couple minutes of what that is, because I think uh, there's people who listen and go, well, well what is that? And, and do you have to be yeah. a pastor to help? Yeah, Maybe. no, great question. So uh, Nexus is our church planning network. Um, we uh, got connected with Phil Claycomb, our executive director, uh, when uh, Hannah and I uh, felt this calling to go into church planting because of the leadership of the church we were at. They wanted to send us out to plant. Actually, it was in a prayer meeting. I was in with elders and staff, got home that night. And my wife said, well, how'd the meeting go? And I said, well, they're going to send us to this thing called an assessment because they want to prepare us to go plant a church. And she about fell over. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was not on my radar nor hers. And so two and a half weeks, we found ourselves in Dallas uh, walking uh, through this assessment process. So yeah, so church planting, uh, I believe it's uh, one of the greatest uh, ways for uh, uh, the church to reach lost people. And so, uh, yeah, we take uh, couples, walk them through an assessment process, uh, which is uh, the best way to describe it, Leonard, is doing an interview naked. I don't know how else to say it. So <laughs> that needs to be deleted or blurted out of this. Oh, but, no. Know, no uh, we let the minds we, run wild. There's like 15 of these markers, uh, everything from spousal to cooperation to uh, financial integrity, team building, theology. And um, it's a great process. It's really uh, intense. And uh, but it's really good. And I, I'm grateful for that process we went through. I learned I didn't learn anything new about myself, but I learned at deeper levels about who yeah. I am and who we are as a couple. And uh, man, it cemented some cemented some things for us that uh, I am forever, forever grateful for that. And so now I get to sit on the other side of the table and be a part of the assessment team. Uh, and so we, uh, there's a scoring system, uh, basically it's green light, red light, yellow light. And so green light means, yes, we, we, you have what it takes to go plant a church. And uh, then they go to the next step. It's called art of the start. And that's the nuts and bolts of church planning. Uh, there's some online coursework they do before. Then we get them in a room and there's different uh, sessions that we cover and we take them through what we call the four fields uh, of church planting. And uh, the first field is to basically identify your field. Like, where are you going? Like the context, who are the people that God's called you to, uh, what town or city or region, uh, just to, you have to know about the community that you're going to. Mm -hmm. And so just kind of make sure they're doing uh, the homework in that. Uh, the second field uh, is, is the gospel. People need to know uh, what is the gospel and how do you share it with other people? Uh, so that's the second field. Third field is disciple making. Uh, how do you make disciples in this context uh, where you're going to be at? And uh, so they have to really wrestle with what does that look like for them, not just as a pastor and his wife, but for their church. They're going to write the DNA uh, of what this uh, what this is going to look like for them and the, the church that God's called them to. Uh, and then the last one is the gathering is the harvest. You know, uh, too often we want to go to an area. We want to gather right away. We don't have a harvest. So we start these services and we have this great worship experience and all those things. And those are great. Those are good. We need those in the church weekly gatherings to encourage and equip, but too often we forget some of those fields. And so we just sort of methodically walk them through the fields mm -hmm. and give them kind of a path uh, to do that. And then how do they reproduce that? How do they, uh, what's another field that God's calling them uh, maybe for them to go into, or maybe send other people to go in into yeah. that field uh, on that. So, and then after the art of the start, uh, we, uh, we do coaching and mentoring. And I believe for Nexus, uh, Leonard, that's our secret sauce. Yeah. Um, there's some great church planning organizations out there. And I know most of them, I know uh, a lot of them have niches and specialties, uh, but for us, we feel like that's, that's what, uh, planters and their spouses need is this coaching and mentoring yeah. uh, someone to walk with them. Uh, as you know, ministry can be uh, lonely at times. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, I was at a church um, for 13 years. I was on staff for four years. We had a staff of 13 and uh, highly relational. I had offices with the uh, other three executive pastors on the team. And so, uh, and then you go from pastoring a church by yourself and you've got a couple of volunteers and it was lonely at times, man. Yeah. 
And so uh, we walk, we coach, we mentor them um, uh, the whole way through, and not just the day they launch, but beyond. And yeah. so uh, I'm one of uh, five coaches. I work uh, with uh, church planters from inception to uh, two years after they launch. And then we've got uh, another group of coaches that are more experienced and have longevity. Um, two of them, one's been in his church plant 17 years. Another one has been in his 15 years. And then they pick up the ball with them there, so to say, yeah. and uh, walk with them from year five and beyond or year yeah. two and beyond uh, with that. So anyway, that's uh, that's what it's like. Well, for those who um, are outside of church planting or, or, or can be a support, uh, just prayers is, is a big one. Uh, also, it's just uh, financial partnerships. You know that you're uh, you lead a ministry, and you know what that means to have prayer partners and financial partners. And we can't do uh, the ministry God's called us to to lead into without those. And so those are two big areas uh, for us uh, to to have in the areas of partners. Oh, I love that. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, and I got a bunch more questions for you. Um, we want to hear from our sponsor, and uh, we're so grateful for him, uh, Dean, Chris, and you'll hear this now, uh, Papa's Roast Coffee. Say yes and become. We're always excited when someone sponsors our podcast. Today, I am super excited about our sponsor for two reasons. I love the product and I love the people even more. Here's what most of us know. There are very few experiences that bring more joy than a great cup of coffee to start your day. From the first sip to the last, Papa's Roast Coffee is committed to making each cup special. Taken from a single origin coffee source, packaged in eco-friendly bags, roasted in small batches to get that perfect roast and shine on every bean, Papa's Roast Coffee is the perfect choice to start your day or share with a friend. I love to make a pot early in the morning and drink it while I read. We love the owners, Dean and Debbie Christ, and their commitment to the kingdom. Having personally watched the journey of Dean and Debbie that they have taken that moved Papa's Roast from an idea into reality, I can tell you with 100% certainty that Papa's Roast exists today because they said yes. Why don't you say yes to an amazing cup of coffee and order some Papa's Roast today? Papa's Roast can be ordered at papasroast.com and we'll also put a link in the show notes if you want to find it then. Now back to say yes and become. Well, welcome back. Uh, we're talking with Patrick Lightfoot. We're talking about a lot of different things. We've talked about uh, family, marriage. We've talked about uh, how he moved into ministry, uh, how God uh, directed him through the voices of others and the affirmation of other people. We just talked a little bit about church planting. It's always near to my heart because uh, church planting uh, is proven to be the number one way in which the church engages its community where people mm -hmm. can actually hear the gospel in a good way. Yeah. It is phenomenal way for us to gather folks uh, around a common mission. And so uh, yeah. I'm excited whenever people talk about planting churches. Um, Patrick, as you, as you lean into this, you mentioned um, that you disciple a couple of guys and yeah. uh, that's a unique. Yes. It, it's, it's not supposed to be. Uh, yeah. It's supposed to be something that we all work together to say we're all supposed to make disciples who make disciples. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's a unique yes. And it's even more unique when we talk about pastors who are saying that. Mm -hmm. um, so tell me how uh, tell me how you what you heard that made you say yes. Mm -hmm. And then what does that look like if you're yeah. going to kind of give the give the encouragement to say uh, you're you're sitting where you are right now listening to this. And God may want you to, to disciple some people. Uh, yeah. Um, for me, after we began the church, uh, we were we were doing church as as normal in the Western culture. You know, it's all about we got to get them saved and then uh, we got to get them a Bible because they got to start reading that thing, man, because that's when life really, truly changes. And then we wanted to be like super spiritual. So we got to teach them how to pray because that's when like the ground floor shakes and Holy Spirit moves then that's like, Ooh, man, then we got to get him volunteering because serving is just, that's who Jesus was. I mean, he loved the unlovable and he served at all times, put the needs of others before himself. And that's great. Uh, and then man, they really up the game. Then they got to start giving, man. That's one of the greatest signs of spiritual maturity. And so, uh, 
I believe the Western church has been doing this for generations and decades now. And, and I'm not saying those are bad things. I think those are all really, really, really good things. And some great things have come out of the church. I just think those things have um, not put us on mission. They have put us on task. And I think mm-hmm. there's a big difference um, putting us on task. And when you kind of go up the stair step of what's next for me, what's next for me. And then there's just nothing else. People haven't been put on mission. And I think that's why we see a lot of uh, church shopping is because, you know, you told me to read this Bible. Now the pastor is using a different translation and I like the old one. And so I'm going to go find a church that teaches that. Or, hey, I was volunteering in this ministry. I was parking cars in the parking lot of churches. Awesome. I got to wear my best. And they gave me a taser in case someone got out of line. And now we don't have a parking ministry. Now what I'm going to do. So I'm going to go find another church. So I think because we as church leaders haven't put the church on mission of making disciples who make disciples, who make disciples, we see a lot of that going on. And personally, God was just speaking into my life and heart about like, Patrick, I just, something's missing. And I could not put my thumb on it. Something's missing. Something's missing. And so through our church planning network, we really, uh, God started pressing that on the hearts of our leaders and, and church planners. And we just started talking about as a network, like, okay, if this is the mission, why in the world are we not doing this? Yeah. I mean, it's not like it's unclear what the mission is, right? I mean, it's very clear. If you read Matthew 28, it's there in black and white, the words of Jesus. Yeah. Actually, it's not in black and white, it's in red. That's right. Yeah. So it's in red letters. Like, it's right there. And so uh, how do we do this? And, uh, you know, I've learned a lot from you in the area of disciple making, and you've shared a lot of information on, you know, stats. You know, 98% of churches don't have a, an intentional plan of making disciples. And so um, our uh, church planning network, we just, uh, made the decision we're going to get equipped for this. And so the Bonhoeffer project uh, takes church leaders and helps make them disciple makers. And uh, so I said, I need to learn about this. I, it was just, I can't believe I'm, I've been in the church. I've never been intentionally discipled myself. Have I discipled some men and families and couples along the way? Yeah, I have. I've taught, I've trained, but have I intentionally discipled with a, a thought out plan of how am I going to do this to teach them so they can then go and do it with other people. I'm like, Nope, I have it. And I was like, okay, so that's the burn in my belly over the last three years. Um, uh, so I walked with uh, uh, Patrick and Jared and Tom, uh, discipled these guys for about a year uh, and cut them loose and uh, hope and prayers that they're going to start doing the same thing I did with them, uh, making disciples. And now I'm walking with uh, Jonathan uh, and Dan. And uh, that's, that's exciting for me. I, it, it's, it can be frustrating, as you know, making disciples. Yeah. Uh, as I read through scripture and I see these frustrating moments Jesus has, and then I have my own frustrating moments with my guys, but it's just part of it. And I just want to stick with it. You know, I think it's easy uh, for maybe church leaders or anyone who's discipling someone else to, to lose heart in it or give up or complain or whine. And I found myself in those moments too, but that's, that's kind of where I've gotten to where I'm at with this whole disciple making thing. Yeah. Well, it's, it's such a, it's such a, um, it's such a difficult thing to measure yeah. when it comes to the basic metrics of how do we measure successful church? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we got a budget, we got attendance, we got small groups, we've got volunteers, you know, we got all those things and those are so important to measure, but what you said yes in such a unique way to be able to say, and by the way, the, the majority of people in the world today have never said yes to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now you come in and so you prepare yourself, you start learning, you find people who do it well, you learn from them. The Bonhoeffer Project is an amazing, amazing uh, 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 equipping tool. Um, what I love about the Bonhoeffer Project and about some ministries, because there's a lot of people talking about making disciples, mm-hmm. um, but for most of them, it's about the task. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sit down with somebody, take them through this lesson, uh, then have them take you back through the lesson, and then you go send them out. Um, Jesus was not as concerned with the task as he was with the transformation. Follow yeah, it's me. It's all about the relationship. Exactly. It is exactly mm-hmm. right. And so when you are um, with these guys, uh, do you guys ever have any fun? Is it just all serious Bible study or are you kind of going, no, we're living life together? Yeah. So it's um, the second group of guys has been a little more challenging. Uh, Just uh, a lot of life stuff has come up and with schedules. So, uh, but yeah, um, actually next uh, tomorrow, I'm actually one of my uh, guys that I was in my original disciple making group. I'm actually having lunch with him. So Mm. 
Um, yeah, we do life together. We've done service projects together. Uh, we've shared meals together. Uh, we've had game nights together. We just do life. And one of the things that I'm trying to be better at as a disciple maker is just invite people into parts of my life. Like, Hey, mm. I'm going to this. You want to come with me? Mm. And it may not have any, uh, spiritual bent or direction for it. Maybe it's a concert in the park, but man, can we have spiritual conversations? Kind of like, man, how's your marriage going? What's going on? Hey, I saw you had a kind of a frustrating moment with your kiddo the other day. What's going on with that? You know, let's talk about that. You know, how yeah. can you, uh, how can I disciple this guy and, you know, helping him uh, with, uh, with his kids, not because I'm the best father, cause I'm not, but just like, just to know that, Hey man, someone's here to help you with this. How do we, yeah. how do we do this together? So um, I, that's one area that I think I, I, I overlook and don't um, take advantage of enough. It's just like, just invite, like, hey, come with me, come with me, just go do this with me. Because uh, Jesus invited them to all kinds of things uh, yeah. in the synagogue. Hey, we're going to go to this next town. Uh, we're going to go here. We're going to go there. We're going to eat this meal. We're going to hang out with these people. It was just constant, you know, just come with me, come with me. And so, uh, man, I would, I just, um, yeah, I desire more of that and uh, be aware of it. Oh, very good. Very good. I think the, the, the process of disciple making is so relational. Uh, it's gotta, it's gotta be intentional. You gotta have a blueprint that you, in your mind, you say, this is what I'm trying to do. Um, mm -hmm. But it's also, it's also um, the kind of thing that when you are making a disciple, you got to catch them winning. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I see growth in you. I see this change in you. You got to teach them to dream, you know, just I've been doing a slow, a slow crawl through the book of Acts and, and, the Holy Spirit falls, Peter, uh, everybody says, you guys are drunk. And Peter goes, no, this is that. And that little is in between this is that. How did he recognize the is? Because he had spent time with Jesus. He says, what's happening now is the very thing that, that Jesus said would happen. And, and, he, and he, he, he must have had a conversation with Jesus about the book of Joel this minor prophet who says, your young men will dream dreams, your old men, visions, sons and daughters will prophesy. It's going to be amazing. And we get so caught up in the, in the, in the miraculous of that, that we forget the practical. And sometimes we are the wind for the prophetic and the vision. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it yeah. means always the Holy Spirit, but just looking at somebody going, man, you really have a gift for that. Has anybody ever told you? You should think about planning a church someday. Has anybody ever said that to you? You should think about uh, teaching somebody and, and blowing the, the wind of possibility into the spirit of uh, that, that the Holy Spirit is working in, in their minds mm -hmm. so that the person hearing you isn't, isn't saying, well, gosh, man, I got to know Greek and Hebrew and I got to be a theologian to disciple somebody. Mm -hmm. um, I know I need to know how to point out and become a counselor. Um, I actually need to know how to, how to just sit next to somebody. Yeah. And well, and so much of our learning over the last, you know, 50, 60, 70 years has been very Greek in its way. You know, we have yeah. one person stands at the front, whether it's the pastor, the professor, the CEO of the company, and they dispense all the information. And now therefore you're ready to go. Yeah. And like, that's, that doesn't work. It doesn't, you know, why do you, our kids, you know, do they, do they actually learn in school? Like, no, they're memorizing so much to pass the test and then they forget it all. Right. Yeah. Because they haven't done it. Like Jesus disciples, they went and did it. And so we got to walk with them and do those things together. We got to go um, help them make disciples of other people. We've got to go serve with them, uh, you know, put the needs of others before our own, but you got to teach that stuff. That's just not like something like, yeah, I figured that out on my own. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we're all selfish by nature and I'm, I'll be the first in line on that, man. It's, it's a daily grind to not be selfish. Uh, and so we just got to keep teaching those things and, and practical applications of do these things, go and eat with people who don't know Jesus, man, invite your neighbor over for a meal. We live what I call this castle culture. We live in this world of chaos and craziness. And like, we want to get home so fast and pull into the driveway and into the garage and then shut the garage door. And yes. then we, we pull up our drawbridge and then we open up the moat around the property and we fill it full of water and sharks until I'm ready to stay out. Like get away. Like yeah. how inviting is that? Like, no, what if we just left our garage door open and uh, we just had a place where people were like started walking by and like, Hey, what's going on? Like, Hey, come on in. We're hanging out in a garage and yeah. um, we're sitting on the front porch. Like how novel was that? Right. Back in the old days, people would sit on their front porch and talk to their neighbors for hours. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's yeah. it is intentional, it's relational, and it's strategic, all of those things at one time. Uh, 
Patrick, I want to ask you this question because I think it, it's kind of kind of where we're headed in this conversation is um, you're working with a couple of guys um, mm -hmm. and you're discipling them. You had another group that you're you're prompting mm -hmm. and, and praying that they'll they'll catch on and create a third generation of disciples. Yeah. Um, if you were to look back in your own history, uh, whose yes are you standing on? Uh, we all stand on someone else's yes. Whose mm -hmm. yes are you standing on uh, today? Yeah, um, uh, Jason Bernard, David McGee, Steve Bertini. Uh, these were uh, men that were uh, not our, we didn't have a um, a student pastor, student director for youth ministry when I was a kid. We just had some men and families that just said, yes, and I'm going to hang out with these kids. Mm. Just hang out with them. One of my favorite stories is Steve Bertini. He was uh, in pharmaceutical sales. He was this big, huge guy. I mean, I want you to think like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He lifted weights. He was huge. Um, and then his wife, uh, Candy, was this tiny little nurse. I mean, this little <laughs> petite thing. And he got this big guy. And they had a son named Max. And uh, when we were in high school, Max was, you know, just, uh, you know, two or three years old. And so they had this little kid. And yet they still hung out with these high schoolers and why they would i have no idea but they did and we were in his car one day we were going to event there was like three or four boys in the car and we're sitting in the front seat and uh i looked over in the the side of the the car in the uh, right there um little area where you can store stuff and there was uh, some bear mace and so i pulled it out. i'm like dude what is this and he says well, it's bear mace and i was like does it work he goes i don't know because it's been in there for years and so he goes well he goes, hey, I've got this, this handkerchief, takes it out of his pocket. And he's like, well, just spray a little just to see if it'll shoot in there. I was like, okay, so we're all sitting in the car. And I'd literally go, that's it. Just this little. And I was like, yeah, it worked. And then all of a sudden, we were crying. All of us. I mean, we could get out of the car fast enough. It's not crying. Oh, totally. And it was awful. And uh, But I'm standing on there, yes, because these guys... Uh, said yes. I remember um, Jason Bernard. He walked us through the Book of Philippians. Mm. I'll never forget that. I will never forget that. So I mean, not just in doing life with us, you know, Steve and the the bear base, but Jason and teaching us God's word. So I'm thankful for those those guys in my life. Uh, later in life, I think of Aaron Chambers. Uh, he's the pastor at Journey Christian Church, author of Eats with Sinners. Uh, he gave me an opportunity in ministry. I just went to them and said, Hey, I feel like God's calling me. Can I do an internship? They're like, yeah, we'd love to have you do intern work. And I said, I'll clean toilets. I don't care. I just want to learn about ministry. How do you guys do this thing? And so that uh, Russ York was um, the original plant pastor of journey Christian church and has been the last 15 years at Manhattan Christian college, yeah. equipping young men and women for ministry and actually is retiring this year. And so uh, those, uh, those two men. And then uh, recently uh, since church planning has been Phil Claycomb. Mm -hmm. uh, these have been uh, men that I've been standing on there. Yes. They were willing to say yes to what God's called them into. And because of that, they gave me opportunity and have taught and trained and equipped me for ministry um, that I'm so grateful for. Oh man. It's, it's so fun how God um, uh, Hebrews 12 says, since you're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses and you are, you are definitely surrounded that you can say their names and you can tell the stories. Uh, that says something good about them and about you. Uh, and as you think about that, um, and and as you're saying, as you got these people who are saying yes, you're helping people say yes to God. Um, is there a story in the Bible or a person in the Bible uh, whose yes just simply go, that's that's the guy I look to, that's the gal I look to, whenever my yes is challenged? Yeah, uh, actually, uh, that's kind of hard to answer. I think that's such a like a seasonal, yeah, question. Uh, right now, we just started a brand new series last Sunday uh, called No Ordinary Joe. And we're looking at the life of, life of Joseph. Mm. And um, man, that guy, he had every reason to turn and say no to, to the Lord all the time. And yet he just kept saying yes and was faithful to it, man. And so we're looking at how culture, how do they respond in difficult circumstances compared to No Ordinary Joe, Joseph? And how does he respond in some immense, immensely difficult, challenging situations? Yeah. Uh, most of them completely unfair, out of right field. Had it wasn't a, 
uh, consequences of his own actions. It's just like, what is going on, Lord? Like, mm-hmm. you got to be kidding me, right? Yeah. And so for me, uh, that that is, I've been really um, intrigued with this story. I read through the, the Bible um, annually. And last year, I started reading through that in the very beginning of last year through Genesis. And I'm like, I have never... Uh, I've done a sermon series on Joseph and I love his story. I walk away every time like oh, this guy is faithful. If I could be him, right. If I could be yeah. no ordinary Joe. And so um, I just made the decision. We're going to do a sermon series on him. So that's what we're doing right now. So his story really resonates with me. If we looked in the new Testament, I, Peter, I just gravitate towards Peter. He's always, he leads with a yes, but he doesn't think very well. He's yeah. the first one out of the boat. First one out of something out of his mouth. Like, and I just, I kind of feel like I'm a little bit of Peter in me. And so, yeah. uh, which gives me hope, like, you know, Peter gets a bad rap, you know, he denied the Lord. Uh, but I'm like, man, this guy was like, he was all in though. I mean, he, he made was. mistakes, but he was all in. And you, that's what I love about Peter. And there yeah. was, there was never any um, doubts about where his allegiance lied and that he was like, I'm, I'm going to do it, whatever Lord. And, but he messed up along the way and we all yeah. do, but. So I think Peter probably in the New Testament is probably one of my favorites. Yeah, I love I love uh, the stories of uh, Peter uh, all the way through. He mm-hmm. said the craziest things. Um, where else would we go? We've given everything. And uh, the first sermon I ever preached, I was 14 years old in church. They did youth night on a Sunday night. That's what they used to do in the old Baptist church. And and uh, I preached I preached on Peter walking on the water. And I remember saying, uh, and I've st- I stick by it. I said, you know, you always, I always hear how, how, uh, how cocky Peter was. Uh, you know, he just thought, but Peter, Peter knew something that night on the water that no one else did, that uh, Jesus was the only one who had no chance to drown. And he'd already committed to follow Jesus. And so when yeah. he said, hey, Jesus, if that's you, I want to follow you out there where I can't drown. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, he got out of the boat and he walked and, and um, Peter was confident that in the middle of a storm, the only one who has no potential to drown is Jesus. Mm-hmm. So that's where I want to be. And yeah. I love, I love that thought. I remember uh, uh, our Sunday school superintendent, uh, that's what we had way back in the day. Uh, he said, now that's not what that passage teaches. It's about Peter being cocky and falling into the water. Yeah. And he didn't keep his eyes on Jesus. He was looking at the waves and the wind. And he, when you leave, when your eyes don't follow Jesus, you begin to drown, right? Is that what yeah, That's exactly right. And I said, well, I kind of think it's, it's actually more about um, uh, the fact that uh, Peter and Jesus probably had to walk back to the boat before Jesus calmed the storm. And that just sometimes, sometimes God says, could you walk with me in a storm before I make it quiet? Can I just teach you how to do that? Yeah. And uh, he, no, no, that's not the message. Well, okay, I won't teach that here again, but later on I will. Yeah. <laughs> so, listen, I got to, uh, I got to say, what's our time there? We're pretty close, I think. Um, I got I'm talking to my, oh yeah, we're we got a few more minutes. Um, when you start thinking about uh, the stories of Jesus helping people mm-hmm. say yes. You start thinking about guys like Joseph in scripture. Um, when, when you say yes to God, mm-hmm. is it, is it a, is it a spiritual moment for you? Is it a humbling moment? Is it, what is that for you? What does that feel like? Uh, I think what is the ask, you know, cause I mean, some questions are easy. Hey, do you want to go to lunch today? Yes. Okay. That's, that's, I don't think that's very spiritual in right. nature, uh, but Hey, Patrick, do you want to, do you want to not buy your family's business and go into ministry? Okay. Hold on. Like yeah. that just got super weighty, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, um, Patrick, do you want to uh, talk to my friend who doesn't know Jesus? Uh, okay. That's spiritual. Yeah. I want to go do that today. Right. And so uh, I think it's just the weight of the, the question can, uh, can vary. And so I think that's important for us to know what kind of, what kind of weight is that question that you're asking me? I mean, how much of myself do you want me to invest of my time, my treasure, my talents? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Does that answer your question? It does. It does. It, um, I just did a wedding last weekend uh, for a, a, just a dear couple. I've only met them just a short time ago. And when they asked me 
if I would do the wedding, my first thought was, of course I will. Um, and, and the reason I will is because I just want to be with you in a life transition. Uh, the, this is a life moment and, and God's going to do something. He's going to make you a man and wife. And why would I abdicate uh, space to somebody who won't love you? Mm. Because I will. And, uh, and so I got to do this wedding and now we've become friends and, you know, we're, we're talking about, okay, let's go get dinner soon. And, you know, and, and I think, again, it's the weight um, of the question but I think too, it's for me, it's just thinking through uh, what's the ripple effect? Mm. Uh, how, how to, because good disciple making is about creating a strategic ripple effect of transformation by disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and what's the ripple effect? So all my yeses center around uh, what's the potential for a ripple effect? Mm. Uh, and, and when I say yes, and I hear you saying that as well. Um, in your, in your journey of yes, um, uh, I love how you say, sometimes you got to say no to some things mm -hmm. before you can say yes. And it's not just schedule. It's, it's life choices. It's, mm -hmm. it's ethics, it's values, it's temptation. The grace of God that brings salvation appears to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness and wickedness. Uh, somebody should put that in the Bible right around Titus or something. Yeah. And uh, uh, the first thing, thing grace does when it arrives at our doorstep is it pronounces us dead. Mm. And the first thing we say is yes to grace. Mm -hmm. And that yes teaches us to say no. Mm -hmm. uh, it creates a value system where the no's automatic. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's what good discipling does. Um, and so as you're thinking through strategically, I'm going to throw a couple words out to you. We've talked about them before, and it's actually not in your notes at all. Um, uh, I think upstream and downstream. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk more about that on a different, yeah. uh, different program. But um, upstream is what goes into the water that changes the course of a river that changes the content of the flow downstream is just how you swim. It's mm -hmm. how you get in the water. It's how you engage it. Um, in your life, uh, give us one thing that you go, this is an upstream thing I'm saying yes to. Because mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's the courageous piece. So yeah. what's an upstream thing you're saying yes to? Yeah, well, it just makes me think about the whole process we went through uh, with the Bonhoeffer project, because that's the terminology we use is upstream, midstream and downstream. Yeah. And we in, in culture and in just our humanists, we want to get to the downstream because the downstream is where the practical is. How do we do this? What's yeah. the task? How do we swim? Like the word you swim. Uh, but the upstream is is where we have to have those moments of pause and reflection and uh, do the deep work. Yeah, that's where yeah. it happens, because that, like I said, that's is what's going to change the course. And so so like for uh, for upstream, it just made me think of, you know, I have two prayers for my kids, Leonard. Uh, they both remain faithful unto death and that they marry someone that loves Jesus. And like that is so much more important than the downstream of where are they going to live and what yeah. kind of work are they going to do or what kind of car are they going to drive and what kind of education? You know, am I pro education? Absolutely, man. Yes, absolutely. Am I? Uh, want them to, to, to live somewhere close by so I could see them. Yeah. But what if, what if God calls them away to go to um, uh, the mission field uh, in Tennessee, not, in Tennessee? Yes. Yes. And be a part of the four gen network. I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's what they're, you know, and then I would definitely have to make more visits uh, then, but yeah. So just that upstream. And so the upstream work in, in our kids has been an intentional time teaching them the most important things in this, yeah. in this world. And that yeah. is your relationship with the Lord and, you know, what are you, what are you looking for in a spouse, Nolan? What are you looking for in a spouse, Libby? What are some things that, like, what are the non-negotiables? Like, I think that's the upstream stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, the downstream stuff is like, well, they got to have a good job. And, and she's really going to be pretty, Nolan, no matter what, man. She's got to be a smoking hottie man to marry her, right? Yeah. You know, those things. So, um, yeah. Uh, so, for, for, for us, it's just that upstream stuff with our kids. In ministry, it's the same thing, the upstream stuff. What is the most important things? Yeah. I get asked, like you, you know, hey, would you like to participate, be involved in this, do this? I'm like, sometimes you just got to say, say no. Um, yeah. that. But back to the Bonhoeffer, the, the upstream stuff that we had to wrestle with real quick. 
which I never really thought that pastors would have to wrestle with were two questions. Number one, what is the gospel? Number two, what is a disciple? And in the first session, I'm like, really? What are we doing here? Like, oh my gosh, like, no. And uh, it was some of the most fruitful, best stuff that I have ever in my life have gone through is to really wrestle with that because uh, man, you look at all the different gospels that are pre- preached, but it's gospel of the right, gospel of the left, uh, social justice, gospel, prosperity, gospel, forgiveness only. Like it is just, and to reflect on maybe some of my teachings, not maybe teaching the gospel in its completeness and fullness, not in, un, not intentionally, but then realizing like, Oh man, I've, I got some repentance I need to deal with. And mm-hmm. what truly is the gospel? Okay. What is a disciple outside just a learner, right? Cause that's the Greek. It means a learner. Well, a learner who doesn't teach it to anyone else is not more of a disciple than someone who's, you know, yeah. said hey siri or google what is right like yeah. it does it's no good to ask those questions and we've got to be putting this stuff into action and and get on mission so anyway those are those are some thoughts on upstream and downstream oh man that is so good and i think we could probably spend about uh, two or three more hours just chatting this up when you start talking about disciple making i know that uh my juices get flowing like nothing else it's what i do for my whole life and i know patrick's do as well uh, i'm gonna wrap up with this uh yeah. Uh, that they uh, Barclay did a study on the the no it wasn't Barclay, but the Greek word for disciple Matthias and whatever it is I Greek was my favorite F in Bible college, and um, his he said that there's three ancient meanings to the word disciple. One is uh, a student who pursues excellence, mm-hmm. so it's not just a learner; it's a learner who's learning for a reason. Mm-hmm. And they want they're, they're trying to learn something that matters yeah. to their life to the lives of those around them. Uh, and you know the second meaning is is uh, is somebody who has a master. You know you're 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 the master. I sit under your leadership, under your authority. Uh, what you say, I do. Where you go, I go. You're my master. And the third meaning is somebody who practices a specific way of doing things. You know, this is how you, this is how you hold the rod when you fly fish. This is how uh, I'm going to do it like you do it because you, I'm practicing the way that you do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Matthew in his gospel wraps all three of those meanings together. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's why the disciples could say, we're pursuing you. We've given everything for you. Uh, you call me master and Lord. Yes, because you're my disciple. And, um, you know, uh, the disciples became known as, as uh, practitioners of the way. Mm-hmm. They're, 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 they're followers of the way of Jesus. They did what he did. Right. We, we don't, we don't uh, emphasize those types of meanings we right. turned it into a sort of a, a Socratic form of learning. Now I've memorized some verses and I do devotions. I yeah. must be a disciple. Yep. And it's upside down. At least it feels incomplete. Upside down may not be the right word. Yeah. It just feels incomplete. Well, listen, we're going to wrap this up. And so I'm going to wrap up with this question for you. Is there sure. anything else you want to tell us? Anything? I'm not asking for a confession or anything. Um, but hey, deepest, there, darkest secrets. The, yes. Tell me your greatest sin. Mine's gossip. You go first. Um, yes. Okay. So this is really juicy. Check this out. <laughs> uh, uh, man, I just appreciate your friendship, uh, your mentorship. Uh, you've walked with me and I know you're going to continue to walk with me. So I uh, just want to just share my appreciation for you, man. I really do. Um, I can't tell how many times I have shared or said, well, my friend Leonard said, or my friend Leonard did, or, hey, check out this food picture. He just sent me. This is awesome. Check that out. <laughs> it so anyway uh you encourage me man i want you to know that to uh keep on keeping on and um secretly i want to grow up to be like leonard so there it is well uh you're way past me already my friend and i appreciate you as well uh thanks for joining us today and uh thanks for joining us on say yes and become i'm grateful you took a few minutes to listen uh don't forget to like us and share us with somebody else absolutely that will be a great thing